Well, it is Christmas week, and so we're going to finish our Christmas series this morning. Our Christmas series is entitled Christmas Reactions. We've been studying how different people in the Christmas story react to the gift of Christ, and really using that to see how we are to really react to Christ. How are we to react to the greatest gift ever given to us, Jesus Christ? So let me remind you of the reactions we've seen so far in the last three weeks. Some reacted with apathy or indifference. This was back in Matthew chapter 2. We began the story of the wise man's journey to see the baby Jesus. And, And in that story, we get the story of the scribes. Herod calls the scribes, he calls the religious leaders, and he asks them, where is this baby to be born? And they immediately give him the right answer. They have knowledge about Jesus, but that knowledge does not move them. It doesn't, they go back to ordinary life. They don't even travel with the wise man to see if, in fact, the Christ had been born. You see, we can slip into that same thing where we may have a lot of knowledge about Jesus but it doesn't really ever impact our lives. See, the gift of Christmas, the gift of Christ should change us. It should move us. It should cause us to seek after Christ. This season, go deeper with Jesus. The second reaction we saw, some reacted with joyful worship. This was the wise man. In Matthew chapter 2. And also the the multitude of the angels, which we saw last week in Luke 2. We should be in awe of God's amazing grace. We sing these Christmas songs, and and I appreciate the, the theology in these songs. We should be amazed at what God has done. Born so that no man would die. That's a great line. That's the truth of Christmas. We should be amazed by that. And we should worship. We should joyfully worship the Lord. We should be smiling. There should be incredible joy when we begin thinking about Christmas, the birth of our Savior Christ the Lord. And it should result in abundant praise. We should be glorifying God, making much of God's salvation. The third reaction, we saw the react, some reacted with fearful rejection. Fearful rejection. This was King Herod, also in Matthew 2. Remember, King Herod, he was threatened by Jesus. He was the king of the Jews. And if a new king was born, then his power and his position, his status, his, his selfishness was coming under attack. See, we can see Jesus as a threat to our lives as well, seeking to rid ourselves of Jesus. But the gift of Christmas should bring us to humble submission. It should cause us to see rightfully that Christ is our King. Lastly, we saw last week, some reacted with hopeful proclamation, hopeful proclamation. Proclamation. This was the shepherds in the story. We typically think of the shepherds as, as worshipers. They come to, to, the, to the manger and they fall down on their feet. But in fact, what the story tells us is that when they saw the baby in the manger, they made known to them what had been told them 
by the angel. They proclaimed the good news about Jesus. They said, this Jesus is the Christ, the Lord, the Savior. The gift of Christ should bring us to proclamation. You see, we should use this season to share what we know to be true, what we believe to be true about Christmas. So today we're going to continue in Luke 2. So if you have your Bibles open to Luke 2, you thought, you thought maybe last week we had finished the Christmas story in Luke 2. We're probably going to move on to a different gospel. But no, because like in Matthew, the Christmas story actually continues. We often stop with the shepherds leaving and praising God, and we don't move on to verse 21 through 38. But, but this is part of the Christmas story, part of the Christmas story, a neglected part, but part of the Christmas story. So we're going to read chapter 2 in the Gospel of Luke, starting in verse 21 all the way through verse 38. So you listen as I read God's Word. It says, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And when he came into in, and, and he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she gave thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So at verse 21 begins this report with the baby being treated as a normal Jewish boy. And what I mean by that is because as commanded in Genesis 17, every boy that was born would be circumcised eight days after his birth. And so they... They do this. They follow the law. Mary and Joseph follow the law. It's this common Jewish boy. But we know this is not any common Jewish boy. There's something special 
about this baby, and that is confirmed in his naming. Remember in Matthew 1, an angel appeared to Joseph. Listen again to what the angel said. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here, eight days after the birth. That's kind of odd, right? I don't know what they called Jesus before they called him Jesus. But for eight days, apparently he wasn't officially named. But now, after eight days, it's official. The baby was named Jesus. The Hebrew there is Yeshua. Yeshua. That means Yahweh saves or the Lord saves. This is no ordinary baby. No, this is Yeshua, the Lord saves. You see, Christmas is not a celebration of an ordinary gift. (laughs) Oh, no. It's a celebration of the ultimate gift. Christmas is really a celebration of God's salvation. That's what Christmas is really about. It's not just about a baby in a manger. It's not about presence under a tree. It is about the fact that God himself came to earth to save us. What an incredible gift. What an ultimate gift. God sent his son to redeem us. This is how Paul says it in Galatians 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What a gift. What a gift. And so how are we to react to this gift? How are we to react to this ultimate Christmas gift? Well, let's continue with the story and see how we are to react. Picking up verse 22 and 24, it says, And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So what's going on here? What's going on? Well, after giving birth, a Jewish mother would have to go to the temple for purification and she would have to bring a sacrifice. This is, this is according to the law in Leviticus. And the time of purification was 40 days after the birth. And so we have eight days after the birth, Jesus is circumcised. And then 32 days later, they take a trip to Jerusalem to the temple so Mary could go through the purification rite. So she could offer a sacrifice. But there's something else going on here as well. Because it says to present him, Jesus, to the Lord. These verses indicate that the baby boy, Jesus, was being presented to the Lord. Another way to say that would be consecrated to the Lord. He was being set aside for the Lord's service. This is reminiscent somewhat of Hannah setting aside Samuel to the Lord's service. She takes him to the temple also after he was born, and and she consecrates him to the Lord. The same thing is happening here with Jesus. And so 40 days after the birth, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are at the temple. 
for Mary's purification, for Jesus' dedication. And it's during this time at the temple that we see some incredible reactions to the gift of Christ. The first reaction is the reaction of a man named Simeon. Look at verses 25 and 32. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simon, he was a, he was a devout man. He loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. He was devoted to honoring God by following the law. He wanted nothing else but to, to lift up God, to show that God was worthy. And so he was, he was following the law. And importantly, it says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is that? What's the consolation of Israel? Well, consolation is, is like comfort. It can also mean like healing. And so, so Simeon is waiting for God to comfort and heal and restore his people, Israel. He's waiting for God to bring joy and blessing and favor on all the people of Israel. In other words, Simeon was clinging to the hope that God would fulfill his promise to send a Messiah, one that would comfort and bring joy and blessing to his people and, and make all things new. See, Simeon was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And so on this precise day, 40 days after his birth, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Simeon and Jesus collide. They come into the temple at the same time as, as they're going through this dedication process, this purification process, and, and he takes him up in his arms. Imagine that. The one who created Simeon, and now Simeon is holding his creator. And he sees this baby, and he recognizes him as the Christ, as the Messiah, Again, because the Holy Spirit was on him, he sees that this is the Savior, the one that God has promised would come. And listen again to Simeon's reaction. I think these are beautiful and profound words. It says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. He, he scoops up this baby and he rejoices that he's holding God's way of salvation. Isn't that an amazing scene? He's joyful. He's like, yes, the Messiah has come. The gift of grace to all the earth, to both Jews and Gentiles, the source of eternal comfort and joy and he's holding him. And what's Simeon's reaction? 
He's at peace. Don't miss that. Simeon is at peace. He's been waiting for this. He's been longing for this. And he's at peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And that word actually means completeness. It means a sense of well-being, a sense of wholeness. It means that all things are made right. That's what shalom means. And, And so, in other words, Simeon is content. He's absolutely satisfied. He knows that true comfort and true blessing can't be found in the things of the world, but can only be found in God. This should be our reaction to the gift of Christmas. Complete satisfaction in Christ. Are we content? Are we content in Christ? Shalom. The sense that Christ has been born. And all things will be made right through the Messiah, the anointed one of God. You see, we should, we should have peace in our hearts. We should have, have shalom in our hearts. We should be content. It seems like Christmas is often filled with hurry and busyness. Searching over and over for joy in this thing or, or, or this present or, or this job. We, it seems like we are hurried And yet Simeon's like, I'm at peace. Why? Because he has seen the Lord's salvation. This should be our reaction to Christ. See, our our true longings can never be satisfied in the world. Look to Christ. He's the true source of life. Embrace the gift of Christ. He's the true treasure. Let shalom fill your soul. Be content in Christ. Can we be content in Christ? Absolutely we can be content in Christ. You don't have to worry about being alone. You don't have to be worried about being discarded. No, Jesus says, I will keep you and hold you. That's what Jesus says. You're in my hand. No one can pluck you from my hand. We can be content in Christ. Not to live with regret. You don't have to keep looking over your shoulder like, oh, I should have done that. I wish I'd have done that. How come I didn't do that? No, you see, in Christ, our sins are forgiven. Not partially. Completely. And you are adopted as a child of the Most High God. Amen. See, we can be content, folks. Oh, we can have shalom. You don't have to perform perfectly to be accepted. No, we're accepted through the righteousness of Christ. You don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to fear the future. Christ is directing the days for our good and for his glory. So so this Christmas, be content. Let shalom fill your heart, the peace that only Christ can give. Be content in Christ. There's a second reaction. Luke briefly mentions it in verse 33. It's the reaction of Mary and Joseph. Only one verse. 
Look at that. It says, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Mary and Joseph marveled at what Simeon said. I didn't mention this last week, but this is a similar action from Mary to the shepherds. When the shepherds come and they say, this is the Savior, this is Christ the Lord, what does Mary do? Luke 2.19 says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Oh, that we would never lose the sense of wonder of Christmas. There's this, there's this awe, there's this mystery, there's this wonder about Christmas. The Savior was born, Emmanuel, God with us. This is how the Apostle John describes it. This just blows my mind. When you really ponder this, there's no other reaction but wonder. He says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is amazing. God, the Creator, the all-powerful One, came and dwelt with us. He was born a baby so that His glory could be shown. What awe, what wonder. But the odd wonder is not just with respect to his birth. It's not just with respect to his incarnation. It's also with respect to the truth of his sacrificial death. See, Christmas would not be a celebration if Jesus did not live a perfect life and die a death for our behalf. You see, that's the awe and wonder of Christmas is that God came in flesh. He was born and placed in a manger, but he was born and placed in a manger so as to die, so as to go to the cross and pay for our forgiveness, for our sins. That is the awe and wonder of the Christ. And, and, that, and we're reminded of this truth in the next couple of verses. Look at verses 44, 34 and 35. It says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. See, Simeon is pointing forward to Christ's death. He's, he's, he's a prophet. He's saying, yeah, this son that was born, he's going to be pierced. He's going to be crucified. And he says, Mary, you're, the sword will pierce through your soul as well. What's he saying? He's like, can you imagine the miraculous journey Mary's been on? Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born in a manger, Right? Shepherds coming and, and telling of these angels that worshipped and, and spread the news about his glory and his, his salvation. And now she's told by Simeon, he's going to die. He's going to die a painful death. See, that's part of the wonder of Christmas. Jesus didn't come just to give us financial advice. He didn't come just to heal people. No, he came to die. 
for your sins and mine. That, folks, is the awe and wonder of Christmas. Don't miss it. Don't miss the wonder of the true gift of Christmas. There's one more reaction in this passage. It's the reaction of Anna. Look at verses 36 through 38. It says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna. We don't have a whole lot of information about her. She was likely married probably at the age of 14 or 15, as was the custom in those days. And then after only seven years of marriage... She becomes a widow. She was probably 20 or 21 years old when her husband died. Now, some contend that she remained that way for 63 years and that now when she sees Jesus, she's 84. Others contend that the way this passage should be interpreted is that she was a widow for 84 years, meaning that when she saw Jesus, she was actually around 105 Now, whatever her age, her life did not go as she expected. And yet she remained faithful to God her entire life. The hope of God was in her heart. And what does it say? She loved the Lord. She she was devoted to praying and, and fasting. She hardly ever left the temple area. And when she sees Jesus, what's her reaction? She is thankful. And as I was thinking about this, oh, how she could have been bitter. Oh, how she could have been bitter. 84 years, no husband. It doesn't say she had any children. It doesn't say, it says that she she basically spent all of her days at the temple. She could have been bitter at life, but instead she was thankful. She immediately knows that this is the Messiah. Again, the Spirit was upon her, and and, and so she sees this is the one who's going to bring redemption to Israel. Redemption is another word for salvation. It's it's another word for providing freedom. And, And so what she saw is she saw Jesus as the great deliverer. She saw him as the one who was going to free mankind from the power and desires that enslave us. She saw him as victory. Can you imagine? 84 years, maybe living as a widow, looking forward to the coming of Christ, and she sees the baby Jesus, and she is utterly thankful. Redemption and victory and freedom has come. She's thankful. Oh, how we should be thankful at Christmas. 
Not just for the gifts under the tree, not for the way that the Lord has blessed us financially or with things, but we should be thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the one who brings freedom in our life, the one who gives us power over our desires, the one who saves us from ourselves. That's what we should be thankful for, thankful for Christ. So Anna reacts with thanksgiving, but she also reacts in one other way. Much like the shepherds last week, she reacts with proclamation. It's kind of interesting, right? There's, there's several reactions in, in the Christmas story, and two of them, at least two of them are, how to proclaim this news. I've got to tell the good news. Go tell it on a mountain. I mean, that song, I'm sure, is looking at the Christmas story. Go tell it on a mountain. She shares the truth. Look, look at the again in verse 38. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. With thankfulness in her heart, she spoke to others about Jesus. This Christmas, be, be thankful. Be thankful for the gift of Christ. And show that thankfulness by sharing the good news with someone else. You see, that's the greatest way to be thankful for something. It's like you will never believe what Christmas is really about. It's about my salvation. God sent a son named Jesus Christ, and he was born and put in a manger, and he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for me. Share that news. Like Anna, for everyone around her, they heard the good news. Christ has come. The redemption of Israel is here. Don't miss the opportunity this season to share the mystery of Christmas. Make it a point to tell someone the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you use a track, we talked about using tracks last week. Maybe you, you take one of the tracks that's out in the foyer and you hand that to someone and just say, look, I just, I just want you to know the real reason for Christmas. Or maybe you just continue with the challenge. You know, our, our who's your one challenge. Find that one person in your circle, in your life, that is far from the Lord, that doesn't know Jesus, and, and begin praying for that person. Begin praying for yourself, opportunities and courage to, to love on that person and to share the good news. And then, and then serve that person. Find a way to show them kindness, to, to show them that you love them. And then finally, tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Tell them what you believe about Christmas. How are we to react to Christmas? How are we to react to this ultimate gift of Jesus Christ. Well, first with shalom. Rest from your strivings. Find comfort and joy and satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Second, with wonder. Don't ever forget God's way of salvation, that he came to us and he died in our place so that we might live. He was born so that no man would die. Marvel 
at Christmas. And third, react with thankful words. Thank God for the gift and thank him by sharing that incredible, wonderful truth with someone in your life. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for Christmas.